Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring Curiosity Stream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. Taste Made for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. And less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at smartbundle.com. Time is precious. It drips away slowly, painfully, like blood from a wound. Once we lose it, we never get it back. Perhaps no one understands this as much as my family. You see, we are marked, or maybe a better word would be time. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to ramble. Time is ticking. My brother and I lived as ordinary a life like everyone else right up until the day we found them, the venerated ones. He was 13 and I was 9. We were playing one of my favorite games, Hide and Seek. I remember listening intently as Horace counted down from 30, 23, 22, 21. He already knew all of my hiding spots, but I was prepared to throw him a curveball this time. Mom and Dad weren't home, so I was going to finally go to the one place we were forbidden to enter. The attic. I tugged at the cord with the stick Dad kept in the hall closet and watched as the little ladder came tumbling down. I felt an immense amount of trepidation, though I chalked it up to the fact that I was being deliberately disobedient. I climbed up the ladder and pulled it back up behind me. The attic was completely dark, and there was so much dust that I sneezed loudly. I hoped that Horace hadn't heard me. I dashed across the room, past boxes and old books, and looked around desperately for a place to hide. That was when I saw the purple curtain. It seemed to be billowing, though there was no air and certainly no window up there. I paid no mind to it. I just wanted a good place to hide. I ran up to the curtain and yanked it aside. Before me, on a table draped in what looked like brown leather, was a row of nine hourglasses. The hourglasses were quite large, made out of what looked like ivory and glass, and each had black sand in it. Five of them were undisturbed, no sand pouring, but four of them, spaced out indiscriminately, were slowly seeping sand through the narrow crevice within. I can't explain it, but I found myself transfixed. I was only snapped out of my daze when a hand touched my shoulder. Whoa! I yelped, whirling around. Horace stood there, looking confused. You little asshole, you left the stick in the hall. What are you doing up here? Mom and Dad will... What are those things? When Horace and I questioned our parents about the hourglasses, I was sent to my room while they had a discussion with Horace. When I saw him next, Horace seemed to have lost all the light in his eyes. I prodded him for information, but all he did was tell me that if I went into the attic again, I would be given up for adoption. That was enough to keep me sincere. I eventually forgot about our little adventure up into the attic, until when I was 15 and my grandmother passed away. My father took me aside to give me the typical life and death talk, only this one wasn't so typical. Listen, son, I know this is going to be hard to take in especially with all of us grieving. But you must know, now is a good time as any. 
I'm not trying to be funny, and I'm not pulling your leg. Everything I say from here on in is true. And extremely vital. A couple of centuries ago, we had an ancestor make a deal with... something. It gave him everything he wanted, but it wasn't without a price. He was cursed to know the day of his death, as were the other members of his family, nine in total. I listened with dread, unable to completely process what I was hearing. This sounded like an old folk tale, but the look on my father's face told me otherwise. It bestowed upon each of them an hourglass, and for each generation since then, only nine of our family have been allowed to be alive at a time. What happens if there are more than nine? I asked, and somehow, my father seemed to grow even more dour. Only nine, he repeated. Every time one of us is born, the... The timekeeper flips one of the hourglasses, and, and the cycle goes on. We are always welcome to peer upon the venerated ones, but why would one want to fill one's life with such dread? Many in our line have perished by their own hands. Many have drained the last grains of their own sand. But remember this, son. The venerated are to be treated and respected with much care. They must never be touched, unless you want to potentially kill a relative with your recklessness. I didn't want to believe him. After our conversation, I ventured up to the attic for only the second time in my life. I pulled aside the curtain and peered at the hourglasses. Only three continued to slowly seep their black sand. I believed him. When one has such knowledge about these things, it is best to put it in the back of one's head. If not, the magnitude of such knowledge could consume you. I went on living my life, knowing, but not thinking about, the hourglasses, or the timekeeper. My brother and I both eventually married, and as soon as he found out his wife was pregnant with twins, he was quick to tell me. There would be five of us now. My own son, Timothy, blessed us with his presence a couple of years later. This was when I screwed up. He was so precious, so beautiful, that I couldn't bear to see him have to go through the same hell that my brother and I had to. I didn't want him going mad from the pressure of looking at his own hourglass, or being indebted to some creature that haunted our family centuries ago. So on the night that he was born, I crept up into the attic of my parents' house. I peered upon the venerated ones, noting the single one that had obviously just began sifting its sand with so, so much more left over. I was determined to break this cycle, once and for all, and so I flipped the hourglass back over. I watched as what little sand had already passed drifted slowly back in with the rest. And then I waited. Hopefully, this hadn't backfired. When I returned home, my son was still alive and well. I rejoiced, for the first few years anyway. Tim turned out to be quite the troublemaker, fighting other kids at school, being disrespectful to myself and his mother, and even threatening to kill everyone someday. One day, when Tim was around nine years old, tragedy struck. My wife's car was hit by an 18-wheeler and flipped over the side of the freeway. She was unrecognizable. I had to identify her by her tattoo on her thigh. The other passenger in the car, our son Tim, however, had miraculously survived the accident. 
As Tim continued his disturbing behavior, I found myself hating him. Why was I cursed to care for this demon, while my wife's life had been violently taken away? What kind of world did we live in? I fell into a depression and talked with my brother about my troubles. When I told him about what I had done with Tim's hourglass the day he was born, Horace stood up. It all makes sense now. You disrupted the cycle. I had to, Horace. He was so full of life, I didn't want to condemn him. You've condemned us all in the process. Look, I really think you had something to do with Anna's death. And you do too, I, I know it. I won't ask you to fix this yourself, despite everything he's your boy. I'll take care of it myself, and I won't tell Dad what you've done. I wish I could say I argued. I wish I could say I tried to convince my brother not to murder my ten-year-old son. But I didn't. I wanted him out of my life. He was nothing like me, and he damn sure wasn't anything like his mother. I waited outside the bedroom as Horace entered with a pillow. He wanted to end him as painlessly as possible. I remember hearing my son as he struggled under his uncle's grasp. Tears flowed down my cheeks as I listened and waited for it to stop. And waited. And waited. Nearly four whole minutes had gone by and Tim still had not stopped fighting, though the pillow was placed firmly over his face. When Horace finally stepped back, looking shocked, Tim sat straight up, hellfire in his eyes. Screw you, he hissed and Horace quickly retreated from the room. It didn't seem possible, but had I somehow made my son immune to death? I wanted to have a sit-down with my father and brother, but that was not to be. Horace died from a heart attack two days after his attempt to kill Tim. After dropping Tim, who didn't even pretend to be sad, off at school, I went up into the attic. One of the hourglasses had been shattered on the floor. 52 hours and 24 minutes after my brother's passing, we held his funeral service at my parents' church. Mom sobbed repeatedly, nestling her head into my father's chest as he held her. Tony, Horace's wife, wore sunglasses, her head bowed, a Bible clenched in her hands. Their children, twins, Clara and Octavia, were teary-eyed as they stared up at the latest family friend to give his testimony. Behind him on the wall, a clock held my attention. Tick, 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 tick. Tim was seated next to me, looking as uncomfortable as a hyena in a pride of lions. He was fidgety, looking here and there, tugging irritably at his tie and collar. This was the first time he had been to church in years. I watched him out of the corner of my eye, my fists clenched so hard in my pockets it was a surprise I hadn't cut off my own circulation. Tim was muttering something under his breath, and I distinctly heard the word bullshit. Maybe we were the hyenas, and he was the lion. After we put my brother in the ground, Tony ran up to me before I could make my escape in my Ford Explorer. Hey, Daniel, can I have a word? Tim and I both stopped to look at her. Tony glanced down at him. Alone? Tim rolled his eyes and continued strolling towards the car. Tony's eyes were puffy and red, her makeup ruined. I'm sorry again, I said, my voice sounding more uncaring and dead than I intended. 
Tony shook her head, staring down at the ground. He was your brother. Listen, Daniel, he told me about the hourglasses. Excuse me? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. What do you call them? The venerations or something like that? I grimaced. Venerated ones. Tony sniffled. Yes, well, I know all about them. Horus... Uh, Horus told me about them before we had the girls. I have a simple request for you, Daniel. I want you to get rid of mine too. I don't care if it means I'll die painfully or whatever. Just break mine or burn it or whatever you have to do. I, I, I just can't. I can't go on anymore. She had broken down into tears. I held her, looking over her shoulder. My nieces were standing near their father's resting place, watching us. I shook my head, glancing down at the ground. It doesn't work that way, Tony. You don't have an hourglass, and even if you did, you can't leave the girls behind. They need you more than anyone right now, okay? You have to be strong for them. Whatever Horace told you, forget about it. The hourglasses are in good hands. Tim honked the horn of the car obnoxiously behind me. I lay in bed that night, staring at the ceiling. The alarm clock ticked away painfully on my bedside. Maybe I had been mistaken. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was the true monster. I was the reason my son may have been cursed to live forever. I was really going to let my brother murder my adolescent son in his sleep. Then what? Would I have taken the fall as well when the authorities did their investigating and discovered the true nature of Tim's death? I didn't know. What I did know, however, is that Horace had been murdered. The suspects were low in number. Tony knew about the venerated ones, but what had she to gain, besides a relatively small amount of money by killing Horace? She had seemed pretty dire at the funeral as well, so I counted her out. Horace's girls were only twelve years old, and I wasn't sure if he had ever gotten around to telling them about the hourglasses. Mom and Dad knew, but again, what was there to gain? The last person left was my son. His uncle had attempted to smother him in his sleep, so he was the most likely to have a vendetta. The only problem? The fact that I had never spoken a word about the hourglasses to him before. How would he have known anything about them? And how would he have known which one was Horace's? That last part is what frightened me the most. It made me think of the timekeeper, whoever or whatever it was. Dad? I jerked up slightly, glancing at my door. Tim was standing there, rubbing his eyes and feigning tiredness. Hey, sport. What's up? I had a bad dream. Can I sleep with you tonight? Every ounce of me wanted to say no, but my fatherly instinct kicked in. Sure thing. Come on. Tim climbed into bed with me and turned his back to me. The two of us lay there in silence for a few seconds before I decided to prod at him. You okay, buddy? Yeah, just a bad dream is all. What was it about? I asked tentatively. Tim turned and looked me right in the eye. Uncle Horace? I hoped my eyes didn't betray me. I had to put on the surprised and concerned act. Oh, yeah? I'm sorry, Timmy. I know his death was sudden, but... But it's all going to be okay. Tim still hadn't turned away from me. I had a dream that he tried to kill me. 
He put a pillow on my face and he wouldn't let go. Why would I have a dream like that, Dad? I don't know, buddy. You know your uncle would never have hurt you. Tim and I continued to look at each other for another few seconds, and then he turned around, yawning. I'm tired now. Good night, Dad. That night I had a bad dream of my own. I could see two babies sitting next to each other, facing me. Behind them, a massive clock's hands began spinning madly. The babies aged up rapidly, turning into a man and woman. Eventually, seven more babies appeared and aged up as well. The hands on the clock continued to spin. The man, the one who had been the first baby, now had a pained expression on his face. His skin was suddenly ripped from his body by some unseen force, leaving him red and exposed. Still, the clock spun on, dizzying me as I stared in horror. The woman turned to dust, and so did her children, but not before more babies sprung up. These babies lasted all but three seconds. Many of them vanished, their screams lost in the throes of time. The numbers adjusted so that there were no more than nine beings at a time. The cycle continued as generation after generation sprung to life and died out, like a thousand candle flames. I went and visited my father the next day. Mom was in the bedroom, dealing with her grief in private. Dad looked like he hadn't slept in days. He walked sluggishly. His face seemed to sag and his eyes were bloodshot. It tore me up just looking at him, but things weren't right. The conversation had to happen. Dad, I hate to say this, but things aren't right. I checked the venerated ones after Horace died. His was smashed on the floor. My father glanced at me sharply, dropping his beer on the floor. Smashed? But how? Our shadows were cast across the living room, the sun setting just outside the window. I set my own beer down and clasped my hands in front of me, looking intently at my father. Tell me more about this timekeeper. Dad, please, if, if we are to be prepared, if we are to overcome this, you have to tell me everything. Dad stared at me for a few seconds longer, and then he sat back in his chair, closing his eyes. I only know the most gruesome details because my grandfather was quite the grim old man. I kept it from you and Horace because I didn't deem it necessary. But there was more to our ancestor and his deal. You see, he tried to outsmart the timekeeper. That only resulted in complete and utter agony. His soul was ripped from his body, as was his skin. The leather on the table in the attic? It isn't leather, son. His hide has been forced to bear the nine fates of his descendants. The timekeeper has a twisted sense of humor. Dad got up and grabbed another beer. He took a few swigs before continuing his tale. His children were fools. They kept having children, but each babe was claimed by the timekeeper. For only nine can live at a time. It led to utter turmoil in the family. Some turned to murder, others to suicide. It took a long while before we finally learned to keep the tree nice and trimmed. I'm as much a fool as they were, I murmured quietly. I looked my father in the face. When Timothy was born... I flipped his hourglass back over. Not a single grain of sand has been sifted. My father was looking at me like he never had before. 
I could see terror etched in every line of his face, his mouth hanging open in horror. Daniel, you know not what you've done. I should have known. That explains everything. Tell me, what can I do to fix it? How can I save my son? My father's eyes were cold and lifeless. He isn't your son. The timekeeper seized his soul the minute you flipped his hourglass. Something that took up residence in his empty vessel. We must end him. My father made a mad dash for the stairs. It was the fastest I had seen him move in years. We ascended the ladder to the attic and approached the purple curtain that concealed the venerated ones. My father yanked the curtain aside, and for the first time in a long time, the two of us gazed at the family heirlooms. Something wasn't right. Horace's hourglass remained in fragments on the floor, but of the eight remaining, five continued to sift black sand. Did, did you flip one of these when you last came up here? My father asked, clearly just as shocked as I was. I shook my head. No, I didn't even look at them. I was so focused on Horace's. It was clear which hourglass had been flipped most recently due to the massive amount of sand left over in it. But to whom did it belong? Most concerning, however, was the fact that one of the hourglasses was just running out of sand. Someone would be dead in the next few seconds. Dad. That was the last thing I remember before everything went black. Tick, tick, tick. No, wait. Drip, drip, drip. I could hear this sickening sound even over the screams of what was clearly a hysterical woman. I sat up, my head aching, and beheld a grisly sight that will haunt me forevermore. My father, his head split open, blood dripping onto the floor. No! I cried, reaching out desperately for my father. But it was too late. His sand had fully sifted, and his time in this life had come to an end. I still wish that I could have taken his place instead. Tony was sitting beside his corpse, a large metal rod in her hands, tears and mascara running down her face. Still woozy, I could barely process the scene. It was only a few minutes ago that my father and I had been sitting in the living room and talking. Now he was gone. Gone forever. And my sister-in-law was here. Nothing made sense. Oh my god. I swear, I, I didn't mean to kill him, but I, I must have hit him too hard. I only wanted to disarm you. The reality of what had actually just happened hit me like a bus. My father was dead. My sister-in-law had just killed him. My sorrow suddenly flared up into pure, unadulterated rage. You crazy. I moved towards her, but she swung at me, making me dodge and lose my balance. I fell into the table, sending one of the hourglasses catapulting into the air. It shattered on impact, glass and black sand flying in every direction. I stared apprehensively at the ruined hourglass, to whom did it belong? If we were lucky, then maybe it was Tim's. Don't move, Daniel, or I'll... I'll have to hurt you, damn it! What do you want? 
I demanded, my despair towards losing my father and my apparent concussion merging together into an unfathomable agony. Tony's eyes were on the remaining seven hourglasses. I thought about what you said yesterday, about, about how my girls need me. Tony sniffled and quickly wiped tears from her face. And how I realized how right you were, how selfish it would be for me to leave them here, as orphans. So I'm going to take them with me, in the most painless manner possible. I'm going to break their hourglasses. Tony, you've lost your mind. Think about what you're saying right now. Those are your daughters. They love you and don't deserve to die. Horace wouldn't have wanted you to go out like this. I have no other option. I can't go on, Daniel. I can't. Drip, drip, drip. Tick, tick, tick. I stood up, putting myself between her and the hourglasses, four of which were sustaining human lives, including my own. Well, that's too damn bad. I'm not letting you murder my nieces. Tony's eyes darkened. She reached into her jacket and slowly pulled out a pistol. I didn't want it to come to this, Daniel. I like you, just like I liked your father. But... But you see, I... I killed him. And I will kill you too if you don't get the hell out of my way. I stared at the gun, defeated. I sighed, my shoulders sagging. Fine. I love Clara and Octavia, but I don't want to die. It's okay. We'll all be together again. Me, the girls, and Horace. A happy family in heaven. I nodded, my head hanging. You can move now, Daniel. You won't know which hourglasses belong to the girls. Only family can tell. I'll get them for you. Tony nodded slightly, wiping her nose with the back of her hand. I turned and looked down at the hourglasses on the table. My ancestor's flayed skin seemed to be calling out to me. He had gone against the timekeeper and paid for his foolishness. Now I was paying for mine. Hopefully this gamble would play out the way I wanted it to. Only one of the hourglasses had more sand sifted through it than the other three. I picked it up and flipped it over, sealing my fate. My body felt immediately tense, and I was suddenly even more woozy than before. Surely this was the right thing to do. The only thing to do. I took a deep breath and turned back to my sister-in-law. It's over, Tony. Put the gun down. We just had this conversation. Stand aside before I shoot you. I could hear a deep, terrible voice in the back of my head, a voice as ancient as time itself. The words it spoke grinded closely together like the gears of a clock. What have you done? I will take you, as I have taken your son. I took a step towards Tony, and she took one backward. Damn it, Daniel! Drip, drip, drip. Your soul will be mine, as are the souls of all the ones who came before you. Stop, Daniel, I will shoot. Tick, tick, tick. Nothing but time is forever. And once I expire from my current vessel, yours will become mine. You're wrong. 
You will never expire from your current vessel. I've already made sure of that. Drip, drip, drip. Tony stared at me in absolute and utter confusion, but my words weren't directed at her. Tick, tick, tick. I took another step. Crack. She fired the gun, hitting me directly in the chest. I nearly lost my footing, the pain akin to the plunge of a hot knife into my torso. But I didn't fall. Instead, I kept coming for Tony. She fired again, and this time, the bullet hit me in the neck. I gargled and spat out blood, and though the pain was indescribable, I continued moving towards her without breaking a step. The next bullet grazed my face, tearing a hole in my cheek. Why won't you die? Because I can't, I blubbered. Tony attempted to aim the gun at the hourglasses behind me, but I lunged at her, the two of us falling to the floor. The gun fired again, but this time I hadn't been hit. Tony's eyes widened for a second, but then they slowly closed, and she was still. Blood continuing to seep from my wounds, I stood up and looked back at the hourglasses. I could hear my mother screaming in the hallway below about the gunfire. By the time the police arrived, I had already carefully hidden the hourglasses in my car. I went with them to the hospital for medical assistance and questioning, though I knew there was no point. I was merely cooperating with the investigation. The doctors couldn't explain how I was living with a hole in my heart. They wanted me to stay, to undergo more tests, but I forced my way out of that hospital. I took the hourglasses to a safe, temporary place, a place where I know Tim will never find them, and then I went to pick him up from school. He glared at me sideways the entire drive home. I could hear his every thought. The timekeeper knew that he had been outsmarted. He cannot die so long as he does not find and destroy his own hourglass. And I cannot die, nor be possessed, as Tim is already harboring the ancient entity. Tim cannot kill me, and I hold all the cards. I can break both of our hourglasses if I have to, removing the timekeeper from any human vessels. He will no longer trouble the living any further. Whatever plan he had of hurting others through my son will be challenged as long as I have something to say about it. I will speak to my nieces when the time is right, and I will figure out more about my brother's third child in time. Time is no longer of the essence. There is pain. But what is pain against time?